You're listening to To Dine for the Podcast, the Shot Put Media production, presented by MasterCard. Start something priceless. What's better in life than a bottle of wine, great food, and an amazing conversation? My name is Kate Sullivan, and I am the host of To Dine For. I'm a journalist, a foodie, a traveler with an appetite for the stories of people who are hungry for more. Dreamers, visionaries, artists, those who hustle hard in the direction they love. I travel with them to their favorite restaurant to hear how they did it. This show is a toast to them and their American dream. To Dine for the Podcast is brought to you by Terlato Wine Group. American National Insurance, and Spiritless. As the weather turns colder and you're looking for a truly delicious glass of red, I have an idea for you. Chimney Rock. Most everyone knows Napa makes world-class wine, but not everyone knows that within the Napa Valley lies a very small but very special subregion called Stag's Leap District. It's home to Chimney Rock Winery. This winery specializes in Cabernet that is truly delicious. The wine is filled with beautiful layers of complexity and finishes with a velvety texture that Chimney Rock is known for. This is a wonderful option for gift-giving and a perfect option to bring to a special dinner party. Cheers, everyone. To Dine For the podcast is brought to you by American National, offering a broad suite of insurance solutions to protect what matters most to you. For 115 years, American National has remained committed to helping people and communities make a real difference in their lives. American National supports great local community organizations led by the kind of people you hear about on To Dine For, people who are inspired to make a difference and inspire others in return. American National's philosophy is helping where it's needed helps us all. For a description of the American National companies, the products they write, and the states in which they're licensed, Visit AmericanNational.com slash dine. Before we get to the podcast, I want to share the story of three young women who are carving their own path in the beverage industry. They started a company called Spiritless. Their first product is called Kentucky 74, and it's a non-alcoholic bourbon. You can use it as the base for so many delicious mocktails or drink it by itself on the rocks. What I like to do is go halvesies, meaning you mix it with a foolproof bourbon to lower the ABV in your cocktail. I put a little honey, cinnamon, and an orange slice, and it is truly delicious. If you'd like to enjoy an evening cocktail with no guilt, you can use promo code to dine for to get free shipping. Welcome to To Dine For The Podcast, where we meet the world's most innovative and fascinating minds at their favorite restaurant. On today's episode is Marcus Freeman. It's so important to earn the trust of your players. In order to do that, you have to take off your shell and you have to give them your heart. Then you can push them. There's only a certain amount of ways you can motivate through fear. And I want to motivate through trust. Marcus Freeman is one of the youngest up-and-coming head coaches in college football at the University of Notre Dame. He was born in Huber Heights, Ohio, where he became a top high school football recruit and went on to start as a linebacker for Ohio State helping lead the team to four conference titles. He then briefly played in the NFL before returning to Ohio State to earn a master's degree in sports management. After that, Marcus went on to become a linebackers coach at Kent State and Purdue, as well as the defensive coordinator at Cincinnati. Last year, in 2021, after his first regular season as the defensive coordinator at Notre Dame, 
Marcus made history, becoming the first assistant coach since 1996 to be promoted as the head coach of the University of Notre Dame football team. I can't wait to dive into Marcus's background and what he is excited about come this fall. Please enjoy my interview with Marcus Freeman. Hi, Marcus. Hey, Kate. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for joining me this morning. Absolutely. I look forward. This is something different. This is something. It's a lot different from what you're used to. So first of all, thank you for entertaining this. And thanks for being on to dine for the podcast. I always begin by talking about someone's favorite restaurant. I know you're from Huber Heights, Ohio, but now you live in South Bend. So I'm really curious to hear where you would choose as your favorite restaurant or spot. Ooh, there's two spots that I really, really like. One is Iggy's Pizza. Okay. And the reason why I kind of started to like it is they they actually, they feed the coaching staff on Fridays and they deliver so many different types of pizza. And it's just, it's been my kind of my go-to on uh, Fridays to, to have Iggy's Pizza. Who doesn't love pizza, right? Like pizza no is the best and, and it can feed a team, <laughs> right? It can feed yeah, a team. Exactly. And is that a South Bend pizza? Yep. And then you, and always, you can never go wrong with Brew Burger. Yes. That's my other plan. Yeah, yes. I love too. Well, when I was a student at Notre Dame and then subsequently a reporter in South Bend after, I worked at McCree's Deli. So I don't know if you've had a chance to go to McCree's, but um, I was a waitress there for many years. McCree's Deli. I'm going to write yeah. that down. Yeah, they have okay. um, beers that I, I think there's something like 64 ounces. They're, they're ridiculous. <laughs> you need to work on your biceps before you actually drink one. Um, but anyway, it's, it's such a pleasure to talk to you today. And I really, this is a chance for people to get to know you better because you were promoted from within at Notre Dame. And I know you have a lot of people rooting for you and I'm sure they'd like to learn a little bit more about you. So please, first of all, you grew up in Huber Heights, Ohio? Huber. Huber Heights. Heights. Okay. And you had an older brother. That's right. What was it like growing up in your household? What was sort of the unwritten rules from your family? And, And really, what was your childhood like? Yeah, we were probably a lower middle class family. We had a three bedroom home. And for the longest time, me and my brother lived in the, we we stayed in the same room. We had bunk beds. And then the other room was considered my grandma's room. And so whenever she would come visit from Columbus, Ohio, that was her room. And so military father, he, he retired by the time I was born, but he was 26 years in the military older, stricter, you know, do things the right way, you know, get up, outwork your opponent. He used to wake us up at five in the morning, me and my brother. And I'll never forget. It's, it's, I'm scarred from it. We used to, we used to have to jog in place. This is five fifteen, Probably we started, we had to jog in place while he finished his workout. And then we would start our workout once he was done. And so that's wow. kind of how we grew up in terms of, you know, being disciplined, working hard and doing the little things right. My mother's Korean. And so she was just a hardworking, selfless individual. There was it's really unique because she would always cook American food for my father. And then she would make her own Korean dishes for herself. And so I was a bigger kid when I was younger because I had some of the American food and I would eat her Korean food. And so it was a, a unique experience. Um, but that's kind of how I was raised in, in terms of, you know, my, my father helped me with the discipline and the, the, the work ethic. And my mother was selfless and, and really, really just did everything in her power to make sure her family was taken care of. She worked three jobs. And so you, I value hard work. I value putting other people 
in front of you. And they got me into sports. So the first sport I ever did was Taekwondo and it's a martial art mm. and it's big in Korea. And so mm -hmm. my mother kind of put me and my older brother into Taekwondo and we both end up being black belts. Wow. Yeah. So yeah. first of all, you've said so much and you've revealed a lot in such a short amount of time, not only the, the discipline of your military father, but also being a part of a household that was really two cultures, right? So you had your dad and his discipline and getting you up marching at five in the morning, but then you had a completely different culture of Korean culture also in the house. You know, I always feel like when people have parents that have totally different viewpoints and different cultures, it gives them a superpower in the mm -hmm. sense that they're able to see the world a little bit differently. How do you think it, it shaped your path? Well, I think it, it, it helped me establish a foundation of, you know what, you're going to outwork your opponents. You're going to outwork everybody. And that was a mindset that, hey, let's, let's have success by the way we work, right? And how hard we work. But it was also this you know, seeing it through my mother's eyes in terms of you can put others before yourself, mm -hmm. right? And, and mm -hmm. you work hard to have success, but it isn't always about you. And mm -hmm. so that's kind of how I was creating that, hey, I want to work extremely hard and I want to be the best teammate I can be. But ultimately, it's because I wanted team success. I want to make sure we had the best football team that I played on, or I want to be the best coach I can be because I want it for the team. I want to put others before me. This isn't about Marcus Freeman. This is about the University of Notre Dame. And I think that upbringing kind of formulated that into who I am now. Let's take everyone who's listening to the locker room when they announced that you were head coach and the team goes crazy. I mean, the energy of that video where they announced you as head coach and it was obvious, you can't make that up. The authenticity, pure excitement that you were named head coach. What was that moment like for you personally? Well, I had known probably 48 hours before that, that I was going to be named head coach. And I was under strict orders to, hey, you can't talk to anybody. You can't be on your phone. The only person I could tell was my wife. I couldn't tell my parents. They asked me not to tell the kids, but that's hard to do when you have six kids at home. And so um, it was the first time for me to embrace my players. And that's all I wanted to do, right, is I wanted to be around those guys and and everybody's like, what, what was your plan to, to talk to, to say to him? It wasn't, a, it, I just want to embrace him. Mm -hmm. I wanted to hug him. I want them, them to know that, hey, your head coach is with you and I'm a teammate with you and we're going to do this together. And then the chance to actually have your first address as a head coach to your team is, is a moment that I'll never forget. And, and my family was back behind me and, and Jack Schwarberg, our, our athletic director was there and a lot of other people were there, but it was a surreal moment and one that I will never forget. You know, you had only been at Notre Dame for a year as defensive coordinator. I think it really speaks a lot about you that the team reacted after just really one year of knowing you. What do you think or what did you try to create as far as a teamwork and culture that allowed them to react like that? Well, I've said this earlier, but I believe in leadership as a teammate. And, and what does that mean? Is that means that I'm going to give my players my heart. I want them to be in my life. There's no curtains in front of Marcus Freeman. They're going to know everything about me, everything about my family, so that they start to trust me, right? And I believe that it's, it's, it's so important to earn the trust of your players. In order to do that, you have to take off your shell and you have to give them your heart. Then you can push them. 
right? So if mm-hmm. they trust you and they know you care about them, then you're able to push them through through brick walls. You're able to get them to do things that, you know what, if they don't trust you as the leader, there, there's only a certain amount of ways you can motivate through fear. And, and mm-hmm. I want to motivate through trust. We'll have more on this conversation in just a minute. But first, thank you to our sponsors. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. If you're like me, there are times when you want to feel like you're having a fancy cocktail, but you don't actually want the alcohol. So I love Kentucky 74 from Spiritless. It's a distilled, non-alcoholic spirit for your favorite bourbon cocktails, but with just 15 calories per serving and none of the guilt. You can pre-order your bottle today at spiritless.com. Use the promo code TODINEFOR to get free shipping. To Dine For the podcast is brought to you by American National, offering a broad suite of insurance solutions to protect what matters most to you. There's a funny thing about most insurance commercials, whether they feature lizards or birds or funny cartoon characters. It seems like they want you to think about anything but insurance. American National, on the other hand, has real local agents who get to know you so they can help you reach better decisions about your insurance to make sure you're protecting what matters most to you. American National agents are part of your community. They're your neighbors. So whether it's solutions for your home, your small business, your farm or your life, You can count on your local American National agent to make sure you get the discounts you deserve and the protection you need without paying for extras you don't. With American National, you get an ally, not just a web page. For a description of the American National companies, the products they write in the states in which they're licensed, visit AmericanNational.com slash dine. As the weather turns colder and you're looking for a truly delicious glass of red, I have an idea for you. Chimney Rock. Most everyone knows Napa makes world-class wine, but not everyone knows that within the Napa Valley lies a very small but very special subregion called Stag's Leap District. It's home to Chimney Rock Winery. This winery specializes in Cabernet that is truly delicious. The wine is filled with beautiful layers of complexity and finishes with a velvety texture that Chimney Rock is known for. This is a wonderful option for gift-giving and a perfect option to bring to a special dinner party. Cheers, everyone. Now back to our conversation. Every coach has a different style, and every coach has a different way to motivate. And we know a lot of actually very successful head coaches who do use fear, who do use intimidation. I think of Bobby Knight screaming at a player, like that (laughs) image. I mean, that's just like the classic intimidation, right? That's That's one style of coaching, right? And it can be effective. How, what is the Marcus Freeman style of coaching? 
Well, it's funny you bring up Bobby Knight. I've spent uh, a little bit of time with Lou Holtz last week. And, and the first thing Coach Holtz said to me was, Coach, I don't know if my players would ever call me a player's coach. <laughs> and I just started <laughs> laughing. I said, that is such a Lou Holtz comment. And, you know, by the end of our conversation, I think he understands that I'm going to be hard on him and I'm going to push them, but I'm going to be real with them and I'm going to let them know who I am. And I think that's the way I lead. It's, mm -hmm. it's leadership as a teammate, but also understanding that I'm very clear on my expectations. I am a motivator. I want to motivate them, but if they don't trust me, then I don't think there's a limit to me that how far they'll go. And so um, that's the way I lead. And that's what's got me to this point and will continue to, to, to be the way I lead. Let's talk a little bit about recruitment. Everyone who is part of the Notre Dame system knows some of the positives and negatives of trying to recruit for Notre Dame. What do you think is your ace in the hole or your strongest card when it comes to recruiting for Notre Dame? Well, I think it's such a unique place because there's nowhere else in the country like it. And, and when I tell a recruit, there's no other university that can do the things for you as a football player, as a student, and as a future citizen of the United States that Notre Dame can. And so you can play the ultimate highest level of football here. You can play national championship level football. You can be developed for the NFL. But you're also going to come here and get a degree that is stronger than any other degree in my mind in the country and any degree that we're recruiting against. And so that's why this is such a unique opportunity, because we're not just selling the degree. We're not just selling the football excellence, but we're selling the entire package and, and what we call our four for 40. And so I think you're at a unique place where when you can sell something different. You can sell somebody a future that you feel is truly different than anywhere else in the country. That's what I want to be a part of. I want to be a part of a place that, you know what, when, when we talk about our opportunities here at Notre Dame, they're different than anywhere else in the country. When I interview women, they don't really like to get the question, how do you balance family and work? Because they feel like only women get those questions. But I can't think of a better person to ask this question than you with six children. And you're about to embark on this head coaching role that is one of the most demanding jobs, period, right? Just not in athletics, just period. I'm just wondering, what's your game plan for balancing both? <laughs> well, the first thing I did was have to start using a calendar. And, and that's the one thing that I learned is that, hey, we're going to have to start scheduling things. You can't just you got to schedule recruiting calls. You got to schedule different meetings and because there's only a certain amount of hours in a day and you can't have people just waiting to to get in contact with you. But the other thing is we I have a blend. I don't have a work life balance. I have a work family blend. And mm -hmm. and there's two reasons because of that. One is because you have to spend so much time here. Right. And, and there's certain hours that you have to spend to have success as the head coach at the University of Notre Dame. But I think it teaches our players lessons. I want our players to see Marcus Freeman as a father and a husband, mm -hmm. because those are some of the most valuable lessons I learned as a player. And mm -hmm. if I don't get any better in football, guess what? I hope that I can make him a better husband, a better father when that time comes. Mm. And, you know, Notre Dame is such a place of faith, um, certainly Catholic faiths, very strong. Um, so many of the students there are of Catholic faith. I just wondered, you know, what role faith plays in your life? No, we embrace it. We we definitely I embrace it. Um, our team embraces, you know, this university was founded off the lady on the top of the Golden Dome. And and I want our players to know that I feel that, that that's special. I feel that our faith and our belief is that you know what, we we're this is just 
this is bigger than just us. And, um, you know, my faith for me has, has been tremendous in terms of keeping me grounded, understanding what's really important. You know, I, I'm the biggest competitor you'll ever meet and I want to win a national championship. But ultimately, I know my purpose and I know why I'm here. And so without that faith, I, I know I'll be lost. I would be lost. And so I have to keep my faith strong. You are, were an accomplished player uh, before you were a coach. You were a linebacker. And I'm just wondering, when you look back on your career up to this point, because I feel like it really, in a way, it's just beginning. But when you look, but you've all already accomplished so much. When you look back at uh, your time, not only at Ohio State, but Purdue, and playing and coaching, what is a moment that you will never forget that really stands out as something absolutely priceless and memorable in your football career? Well, I think it's, wow, there's so many moments that you could go to that help shape you to, to be the person you are today. Um, I think back to the moment where I decided that I was going to get into coaching and I got a call from the Indianapolis Colts. Um, this was after my first year in the NFL. I said, man, uh, my knees are messed up on three teams in one year. Maybe I need to move on to my next chapter. And um I got a call from the Indianapolis Colts and I remember talking to coach Jim Tressel, who was my college coach. And he's like, Hey, as long as you can play the game of football, go play. Mm -hmm. So I said, okay, well, I'll go to the Indianapolis Colts. And then at that physical, they found an enlarged heart valve. And wow. it was almost like an answer from God. Like it's your time of playing football is over. You now need to move on to your next chapter of, of your life. And, and so I get into coaching thinking that, Hey, this is all about, football. It's all about being on the sidelines and you're a competitor, but really quickly you learn it's about serving your players because mm -hmm. I get my most satisfaction when I see young people achieve goals. When we work together to make sure we have a great game plan and you go out and you see them accomplish something that they didn't even know they could do, that's where I get my, my satisfaction. And that's what gives me my motivation to wake up every day. And so that whole period of time where you go from, do I play okay, I want to play again. Now I'm in the coaching to realizing what coaching really meant for me. Mm -hmm. um, that's a moment that I'll never forget. On To Dine For, I interview people across the spectrum, whether they're founders or artists or authors or rock stars, to hear kind of their why and their journey. And two things I've noticed, drive usually comes from within and starts at a young age, and that everyone has a different definition of hard work. And so... By the time you get a player, right, they're in college, they've had years of establishing, just like you did with your dad, right? They've had years of establishing what discipline means to them, what their level of hard work is. What do you think are some of the non-negotiables that you can't coach with someone? And what can you coach? Yeah, that's great. You know, one of the non-negotiables for me is doing everything right. And how do we create a, a culture within our walls of, of leadership, of real leadership? And, and that's what I challenge our team to do is that there's no such thing, in my opinion, as a, a leader by example. Mm -hmm. And this is something I've kind of developed. And if you're a guy that people consider a leader by example, you, you probably do everything right. You work really, really hard. You probably perform at a high level, but you don't say anything to make others better. And mm -hmm. so what it, what is a, a big non-negotiable for me is that we have to hold each other accountable. Mm -hmm. Our players have to, and our coaches have to. If we see something and don't say it, we're, we're giving consent. 
you're saying it's okay to perform below the standard. And so that's a huge non-negotiable for me is that, hey, we're going to be vocal leaders. We're going to hold each other accountable. We have to. That's the only way for us to succeed. And so- Let me stop you there because that's really interesting. So you're saying not work hard and stay in your own lane, but work hard, work as a, as a unit. And if one person is not quite doing what they normally do, mention it, say it to bring them up. It's your job. You have to. You have to. If you care about the team, Mm. right? If you truly care about your teammate, then you have to hold them accountable because if you don't, then you're letting them underachieve. And this is the greatest team sport to me there there is. And Mm -hmm. if you want to just stay in your lane, then there's a whole bunch of individual sports that that are out there. But for football, if we want to maximize this team, this team, a group of individuals together, we have to hold each other accountable. That's really fascinating. And so every person is motivated by different things. So it's really hard as someone who's looking from sort of a bird's eye view at everyone to try to motivate an entire team of people. I mean, I guess in many ways, how heavily will you rely on your assistant coaches? It's huge. So so when you're the linebackers coach or you're the defense coordinator, you're really responsible for 10 guys, 10 to 15 guys, like small units. Well, when you become the head coach, you're now in charge of 120 players. And so there's no way that you can have your eyes on every player. There's no way. There's too many. There's no way that every player can come to my office and spend time. So I spend a lot of my time coaching the coaches and not coaching the coaches, but more so working with the coaches. That's my position. Hey, we got 10 assistant coaches. We all have to make sure we're thinking the same way. So if you're able to get the coaches to understand what you're looking for as the head coach, they are now the one that implement the culture within their own positions. And so I have to lean on the assistant coach. I have to trust the coaches we hire and have to make sure we hire the right guys to make sure they implement our culture. Well, just as I said, when I, the, when I saw the reaction of the team to the announcement of you being as head coach, it really said a lot. A lot of times I'm interviewing founders or CEOs about how do you create a great culture in a business, right? And there are a lot of parallels between creating a great culture in a business and the, the teamwork and the culture of a, a football team. Where do you see the parallels and what advice would you offer on creating a great culture just period? Well, ultimately, I think it's going to start with being yourself, whoever you are. That's the greatest advice I got as a head coach is that, hey, you have to lead with however you are as a person. And so I've always been a leader as a teammate. And so I believe our culture is more centralized, right, is that, hey, we're all in this together. okay? but I'm very clear on what our culture is. And we call it the golden standard. Right. Number one is we say challenge everything. Right. And that's just a mindset of of finding a better way. Right. No matter what the standard is, no matter what normalcy is, let's find a better way. And so we have to challenge everything. Number two is unit strength. So that's what I was talking about earlier. When you talk about love, you talk about that small unit, those 10 small units, right? Creating a love amongst those 10 small units, which ultimately will grow into the entire team. And the third thing is the competitive spirit, right? We have to be so competitive and we can find different ways to create that competitive mindset by holding each other accountable, by making different win or loser situations. And so that is our culture. That's what we all have to believe in is going to be the key to our success. And and to me, being very clear on your expectations, but also being who you are is how you create a great culture. I recently interviewed Lee Kiefer, who um, won the gold medal for fencing. She's from Notre Dame, and um, she had gone to two previous Olympics and done really, in her words, terribly. So she credits <laughs> she credits that 
disastrous experience and the failure of that with why she got the gold medal. And because mm -hmm. that emotion of it, what she learned from it, how she grew from it, really helped set her up for success. And I'm wondering, mm -hmm. is there a failure or a really bad day in your career that you remember that, that was similar for you? Well, I think to, I'm going into my, I think it was my junior year in college. And I started as a sophomore and I go into my junior year and, and I'm kind of rotating with a kid that was, a, I think he was a freshman that year. And I remember being the kid that went home and said, man, like coach is, is, is doing me wrong. And I remember mm -hmm. I told my roommate, man, this is, this is messed up, man. I should not be fighting with a freshman. And I'll never forget. I had a roommate that challenged everything, right. Instead mm -hmm. of telling me, Hey, it's okay. He said, you know what, maybe it's not the coach. Maybe you need to evaluate yourself and see what you're doing and figure out why you're rotating. And mm -hmm. in that moment always sticks out to me because that's a real friend. A friend that says, you know what, don't feel bad for yourself. Don't, you know what I mean? Don't, don't, don't do a pity party. Look within the situation and find a better way. And that's kind of how I created that challenge everything mindset. We got to find a better way instead of just pouting and, and, and just maybe just adapting to whatever the situation is. Let's find a better way to enhance what we're doing. And so I'll never forget that moment. It's almost like a different way of looking at friendship because in everyday relationships, when someone's having a bad day, you always want to make them feel better and almost tell them what they want to hear just so they feel a little better. But what you're saying is no, don't do that. Instead, maybe look at it from a different perspective that could actually help them get better. Absolutely. That's, that's the, the, the nail that you hit the nail on the head. That mm. is challenge everything mindset because instant gratification is something that, that you're seeing happen over and over. How can I say something right now to make you feel better? Mm. That's not the longevity though. If you can find a better way to do something and you can be honest with somebody at the end of the day, when somebody looks back at where they came from and to where they are now, to me, that's where you say, you know what, coach, I appreciate it. And, or teammate, I appreciate it. And, and I, I once heard a quote that said, teams of destiny always find a way to win no matter what, meaning that when the chips are down and it looks really bleak, they still are trying to look for another way to move forward. And I am sure you can think of like many times in sports history that, that it looked like there was no possible way a team would win or a player would do well and they're able to turn it around. And like yeah. being able to instill that mindset of how do you turn it around when, thing, when the forces and you do not have the momentum. Mm -hmm. It's a belief. It's a belief that, you know what, hey, at some point, through hard work, through smart work, um, we're going to achieve a, a better outcome. It's the same thing with some of our kids that you coach school so hard. This, this university is so tough. You, you're right. That's what makes this degree so valuable. Mm -hmm. But you're going to have to find a better way to make sure you learn the information that you have to learn so you can perform better on exam there or get better grades. And so it's the mindset of, you know what, success can be achieved no matter what. We just got to find the right way to do it. So it's 5 a.m. Are you getting up with your kids and having them march in place? 
<laughs> no, my 5 a.m. I kind of go out of the house and, and get ready to it's not it's a little bit selfish, but I go and get my own workout at 5 a.m. Um, but hopefully if I've instilled enough in our oldest boy, our oldest son is, is 13. No, he's 14 now. And, um, you know, I told him a lot of times he's got to be the father of the household because I'm not there. And so he's doing a good job of holding his other brothers accountable. And, and even the sisters just, hey, we're going to have to continue to find a better way to to prepare to have success. So you are less tough than your dad, right? Is that <laughs> <Yeah>. true? <laughs> absolutely. No, I'm not. Hey, listen, I might be less tough on our kids, but not on our players. Oh, I got it. I just okay. come here and we, we, we make our players start marching to play. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. It is such a pleasure to talk to you today. I wish we were having some Iggy's pizza, but um, that we'll save that for another day. Marcus, thank you so much for your time today. Thanks, Kate. It's been a pleasure. And best of luck to you in the season and go Irish. Thank you. Thanks for listening to To Dine For The Podcast. For more information on the show, the guests, and the podcast, head to todinefortv.com. You can find us on Instagram at todinefortv and Facebook at todinefor with Kate Sullivan. Thanks to the sponsors of To Dine For The Podcast, American National, Spiritless, and Terlato Wine Group. Special thank you to producer and sound editor John Golner. To the loyal followers of this program, cheers, stay hungry, and stay inspired. I'll see you back at the table soon. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.